thank you, Debbie, for um, sharing um, that ministry of music with us. I uh, just appreciate um, it so helps uh, me to um, experience the Spirit just to allow um, music um, to touch our soul and to know uh, that that is in ways that God speaks to us. Welcome to worship this morning. Um, I welcome all of those gathered here. Welcome to those who are uh, gathered via um, the internet or via radio. And um, as we gather today, um, I thought I would read from what um, I think has become, unfortunately, I, maybe unfortunately is not the right word, but um, over the last two years, uh, this passage from Lamentations, um, there just seem to be more and more days where I need to hear these words from the book of Lamentations, uh, chapter 3. It is, and Lamentations is written by Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. It is a lament of, uh, of a prophet, of a follower of God, who just feels the deep despair of everything that is going on around him. Um, and, um, and I pick up the words in verse um, 19. Um, after, for 18 verses, uh, the prophet has just described this, this affliction and experience that, that he has had. And in verse 19, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for my God. We need to hear these words this morning. They need to be words uh, that we express for we gather together as a community despite all that is going on in our world to say that we are a people of God and a people of faith. We are a people of hope and we will hope in God despite all that is around us. And so let me offer up this prayer. Loving God, we gather in worship this morning to offer your praise and yet also acknowledge the pain and the frustration and the confusion that is in our midst and around us. In whatever situation we find ourselves, we welcome your gracious presence. We declare once again that our hope is found in you. And despite all that is going on in the world, we lift up our voices in praise this day. And so I invite you to join or to hear these words uh, as we sing the song, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. May these words sink deep into our soul this day.
Invite us to go to the Lord in prayer. I invite us to begin in silence as we calm our souls, as we allow the very depths of our souls to cry out to God with whatever is on our hearts.
And now I invite you to participate in this prayer that's often called the prayer of St. Francis. May you hear these words, and may you allow these words to be your prayer offered up to God. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. Seek to be understood as to understand. Seek to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen.
think as you call me deeper still as you Thank you. It is good to be back. I am uh, so grateful um, that uh, Kobe was here to fill in while I was gone. We had a wonderful time away. Um, and um, I don't know, maybe as I begin this series, maybe it would have been better if I'd stayed in New York. I don't know. Um, for those who don't know, um, I am going to begin a series on faith and politics. Now, you all probably think I'm nuts, um, because, you know, when you were growing up, what are the two things you were told to never talk about um, in the public square, or when you were around strangers, the only, only place you were supposed to talk about these was at home? Religion and politics, right? Though we are not supposed to talk about religion and politics for some reason, and that's how we have uh, grown and been taught. Um, and back in November, though, I... I committed that I was going to do this series on faith and politics, or as I'm calling it, faith, politics, and life together. And I'm sure that you are asking, are you seriously still going to do that in light of the events this week? And how in the world are you going to do that? You see, I, I, I didn't really, um, when I committed to doing this, uh, I didn't really anticipate any certain outcome of the election. All that I knew is that I look at polls and I see that we are a country which is 51-49. Uh, we are a country in which there are very different beliefs and we are very divided. And so I knew whatever the results would be that there would be pain, that there would be grief, that there would be a sense of hopelessness, that there would be fear, and that there would be anger among some people, uh, while there may be other people who celebrate and are um, happy and are glad and are relieved that, that the emotions run the gamut. And while I didn't expect to see what we have seen uh, since the election and in the last week, Unfortunately, I cannot say I am surprised. And in fact, as these events unfold, as much as I would really rather preach almost anything else, 
even the book of Revelation on this day than to talk about faith and politics, I am convinced it is even more important. Most people would agree that, that our country is divided. And most people would probably even agree that the body of Christ is also being divided and polarized. And I don't think any of us like that. I don't know anybody who is saying, yes, let's create division and polarization. And yet, I think we wonder, what are the options for how to respond as individuals and as a community of faith? And I have to be honest, as, as a pastor, I struggle with this much. I mean, should I just be silent and withdraw and be as apolitical as I can be as a pastor? Not acknowledging uh, what's going on in the world or, or at least uh, trying to, to walk this fence. And to just try to step away from politics. See, the problem with that is that politics involve our whole life. And I do believe that the church and that Christians need to be involved. But it seems like the only other choice is for us to pick a side, uh, to jump in bed with that side and to, to grab a hold of those convictions and to run down this path or that path. And I suspect that this day and probably over the last few weeks, that there have been pulpits across the United States where that has been done, where they have either grabbed a hold of the convictions on this side or that side, and they have run with them. And those seem to be the only two choices that we have. When we, when we choose the latter of these, we, we see the division, we see the polarization, and we hate it. And then we, we shake our head, don't we? And we say, you know, if only those folks over there, if only the other side would be more understanding, if only the other side wouldn't be so divisive, we wouldn't be in this place. We seldom think about ourselves. And so as we uh, dig into what Scripture might say to us along the lines of faith and politics and life together, let me just say this. If you think that I am preaching to some of those folks who need to hear what I have to say, Maybe not. If you think the words that are shared from Scripture are only for someone else and not for me, then you need to reflect and you need to consider how God might be speaking to you. I have struggled much this week how, as a pastor, 
Can I speak both truth and grace? Can I criticize something without other people feeling like I am attacking them for perspectives they might have? How can I speak with both conviction and compassion without alienating half of the people? Should I even try? And so when events unfolded this week, I chose to be silent rather than to post something of great wisdom on Facebook or somewhere else because quite honestly, I'm not sure I've got any wisdom to offer. And so I prayed and I cried out to God in lament over all that I have seen not just in this week or the last month, but what I have seen evolving in our world and in the church for many, many, many years. Maybe even for decades. And so, as, I, um, as I've been looking, I, I, and I will tell you that um, I have, I, um, I was planning on talking about uh, the dangers of political idolatry today, but in the light of the events, um, I have shifted that message to later on, and I thought today we should hear the words from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, beginning in uh, verse 7. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs, incurs, easy for me to say, abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer." Now, i got to tell you, when when I first read this passage of Scripture, um, I I could easily hear this passage of saying, ah, just don't waste your breath on people who uh, think differently than you do. Don't waste your breath on people who don't want to listen. And yet, as I read that whole passage, and I read verse 12, And in verse 12, it says, if you are wise, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. And I realized as I read this passage, this really isn't so much about um, how I I share my wonderful wisdom with other people. I mean, after all, I have got lots of wisdom. Well, no, not this week. It is really 
more intended for a passage of self-reflection. I think it's really a passage that challenges us to ask ourselves, are we mockers who don't hear? Or are we wise people who are always listening and open to wisdom that others might have? I wonder. As we... As we launch on looking at faith and politics, I guess I'm not so much worried about telling you what political party that you should be a part of or what even your views should be on particular issues. It seems to me that a more important question that we need to unpack before we can even begin to talk about um, very hot-button topics is we need to ask ourselves, what kind of people do we need to become so that we can participate in politics? What kind of people should we become? What kind of people do we need to be in the realm of politics? And so it it seems to me that it begins with our ability to listen. Our ability to realize that we do not have all of the answers. And if we're honest with ourselves, right? If we're honest with ourselves often, especially when it comes to issues of religion and politics, we really aren't interested in hearing what anybody else has to say if they don't agree with us. We don't really want to understand how they came to those beliefs. And when we do listen to people who have differing beliefs, in reality, often what we're doing is is we want to listen so that we can uh, take notes of, of their weaknesses in their arguments, so that we can figure out how we can attack their particular argument. We're not listening so that we understand where they're coming from. We're listening so that we can be a better debater and arguer with them. We're not really listening because we want to understand or that we have an open mind. We want to listen so that we can win. Maybe even so that we can annihilate our enemy or those who are on the opposite side so we can humiliate them. And so we, we approach often, and, and, and I find this more and more, not just in our conversations around religion and politics, more and more around uh, uh, subjects, we almost begin to approach our conversation as if it's all about debate, not dialogue. It's all about me sharing what I know so that others might change their ways. And i got to admit, way too often... Way too often than not, I don't even bother to ask myself when someone uh, shares an opinion that differs, that, differs in my, that differs from mine, 
way more often than I should, I don't even bother to ask myself, are there words of wisdom that I need to hear in what they are saying? Are there words of wisdom I need to hear? If we are not careful, we simply become more combative and closed-minded. And in the reality, the Proverbs tells us we are the ones who suffer. We are the ones who suffer. Let the words of the Proverbs sink in this day. How are we to interact in the world as it exists today? How do we interact with people when 80 million people voted this way and 70, 72 million voted this way? Do we just ignore a half of the people and demand that they are wrong and they have nothing to say to us? They have no words of wisdom for us to hear? And therefore, they should just be, um, I don't even know the word I want to use. We should just toss them aside or act like they don't exist or call them evil and bad and call them our enemies? And it's not just about what's happening in the world, folks. It's about what's happening in the body of Christ. I have seen way too much over the last six months of people saying, if you believe this way, you hate God. I have seen way too much. Well, if you voted for Donald Trump, you're not a Christian. Well, if you voted for Joe Biden, you're not a Christian. Seriously? Do y'all believe that? I sure as heck don't. And so if we are to go forward, if we are to go forward as a body of Christ much less a nation. Where do we begin? Let us hear these words from James chapter 1, verse 19. And I think I'm going to read through verse 21. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. How does that describe us today? See, this is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside of you, the very word that is able to save 
you. See, it seems to me if we have any hope of moving forward, if we have any hope of experiencing some kind of unity, not uniformity, not conformity, but unity, it must begin by being quick to listen. Not just so we can make our point, so we can win a debate. But it means being quick to listen to those whom we disagree with. I, I, as I was reading this week, I came across, oh, I can't remember his name, Davis. A, a gentleman by the name of Davis, um, who took it upon himself to go listen to members of the Ku Klux Klan and to tell him and to actually hear and understand them. Now, what made this unique is this gentleman was black. And he would begin his conversation with them by saying, tell me why you hate me. And he would do it in a very non-confrontational way. He would do it with both conviction and compassion. And if I'm to believe the story that I read, he's got over a hundred Ku Klux Klan um, um, gowns, whatever they're called, in his closet of people who he's had conversation with who in engaging somebody who was different from them that they had never really engaged and listened to, they began to change the way they think. That's never going to happen, folks, if we refuse to take time to truly hear people who disagree with us, to give them the opportunity to explain in non-judgmental environment where we can truly hear what they are thinking and feeling. And when we've listened, after we've listened, so it, it doesn't say don't speak, right? The passage doesn't say be quick to, only listen and don't speak. It says be quick to listen, slow to speak. After we've heard and we've understood, then is the time for us to speak. And I would suggest that we begin speaking by seeking clarification rather than saying, yes, but. The time will come when we are able to clearly share our own convictions. You see, this is not about uh, suppressing our convictions, but it is about hearing where other people are coming from. It's about truly having an open mind so that we might be shaped. Much of what's wrong in the church, I think, is that we've stopped listening to God with an open mind. We've stopped thinking that God is still changing and transforming us. We think we've gotten to the point where we no longer need to change. It's just them out there, those people over there. Our life in the body of Christ is a constant life of transformation. And we are transformed certainly by hearing the word of God, but we are also transformed by hearing the experiences and the perspectives of other people. And that is important. And this passage says, don't grow angry. Be slow to grow angry. I think if I were to suggest how we respond, it would be, get mad, 
tell them what I think, and maybe I'll listen to you later. Isn't that true about how we behave? I mean, let's be honest. We start out with anger. We start out with telling people what we think. And then we really don't care about listening unless it gives us an avenue to defeat and win and annihilate. This is not an easy task. It requires us to be humble, and it requires us to be honest at the same time. It's not about telling people uh, something they want to hear. It's not about being dishonest. It's about being both humble and honest, realizing that I might be wrong, and yet it's okay if I share my convictions and my perspectives. It's about sharing the truth as we see it, but with grace. And it is about both compassion and conviction. It is about having compassion for other people and being able to share the convictions that we have. It's not an either or. It is a both and. And so this day, this day, as we seek as a congregation to talk about faith, politics, and life together, let us begin this week. Let us begin this week by being wise people, people who are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. And as we do that, we will truly make a difference, not just in the lives of other people, but in our own hearts and souls. Hear, hear the Spirit speak this day. Amen. So I was talking to Dan about what song we should sing after uh, <laughs> his message on faith and politics. And uh, I said, we're going to sing this little light of mine. And he said, that sounds like a good one. <laughs> but I think when we think about Christians as shining our light, you know, we think, I've got to go out and shine, and I've got to tell, and I've got to go and do, and I've got to go and be this active role and overwhelm, right, into the world. Maybe sometimes shining our light is actually stepping back and listening. Maybe shining our light is actually welcoming others to come and share so that we can grow in relationship and find that unity, not necessarily uniformity, but unity. So, so maybe we'll think of this song a little differently this morning as we <laughs> sing This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it.
Indeed, let us go forth this day to let our light shine by being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let us show the world that we are not mockers, but we are wise people, always with an open mind, willing to hear and understand the Spirit and other people, so that we truly might make a difference in the lives of other people as we live and we love like Jesus. Go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit to listen, and listen, and listen. Amen. May the love of God continue to give you 